All right. Week two of this series, Teach Us to Pray. Last week, I hope some of you took that passage of Scripture and prayed it every day. And I hope even more so that God began to open some things up in your life to you. Because it's it's amazing how God will build a a series of messages on top of each other. Because if you didn't go back and and really spend some time in prayer talking to God like David did, where you say, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. If, you can't, if you're not brave enough to tell God to search you, you definitely won't be brave enough to pray this prayer today. And this prayer today is not a fun one. And... Who do you want to message? And I don't know why Siri is on. Go away, Siri. Okay, it's no big deal that you don't know. <laughs> Pardon me, just but to to jump into one of the toughest things I believe you could ever pray, and that is asking God, break me. That that's not a comfortable thought at all, and, and it's almost counter to everything I was taught in the late 90s and early 2000s because the the big push, and this will spark some good memories for a lot of you, was the prayer of Jabez, or Jabez, depending on whose pronunciation you go with. And and I'm not saying that that's a bad prayer. Okay, don't, don't take this as I'm saying part of the Bible is bad. I'm saying that's a very safe prayer. And... It's not necessarily a prayer that's going to stretch your growth and your trusting of God. The name Jabez means he causes pain. Which is a big reason I think God granted this dude's prayer because when you're literally named he causes pain, you know, I can't imagine what childbirth was for mom if she named her kid that. And and in the culture, I'm a little frustrated because where was dad when mom was obviously hurt and naming this child because your name meant something and it followed you the rest of your life and dude had it rough and and Jabez called upon the Lord of Israel saying oh that you would bless me indeed enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me that you would keep me from harm so it would not bring me pain and God granted what he asked I'm telling you, it's okay to pray that prayer. It is absolutely okay to pray that, pray that prayer, but that is not the type of prayer that will lead you to growth in your faith. And I have biblical proof to back that up, and we've already heard it this morning. Thank you for children's time, where unless my wife was reading over my shoulder, she had no idea this was coming today. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, I, I will forever refer to that from now on as the taffy verse. Because you have to be stretched and pulled and stretched and pulled over and over and over before you turn into good taffy. 
And if you've ever had bad taffy, you'd understand why it's important to have good taffy. A.W. Tozer once said, it is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. That is a very tough statement. That's tough. That it's doubtful that God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Anybody ever been hurt by God? It's okay to admit that. I've been there. I lost children that I've never got to hold that hurt me deeply. In that same time, I lost my mentor. The guy I could call and say, how do I be a good pastor? How do I share God's Word in an effective way? And God took him home. God hurt me deeply in order to bless me deeply. Because God brought other people into my life that could speak in ways that my mentor would not because he was too kind. God brought other children into my life because He promised He would. But I want you to understand this morning when we, when we ask God to break us that we're, we're not doing it because, hey, that's a great idea that we just came up with. Jesus modeled brokenness. In Mark chapter 14, this is at the Last Supper. As they were eating, He took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them. And He said, take this is my body and he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank of it and he said to them this is my blood the covenant which is poured out for many this was a a visual representation to them of what he was about to do on the cross and and Luke adds a very important detail to this account. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19, He broke it and He gave it to them saying, This is My body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of Me. Now, now for a long time in the church world, we've taken that as, as well. That, that meant we're supposed to you know, pray before we eat. Before we physically break bread, we're supposed to pray. And, and that, that's a nice, comfortable thought. Or that we're supposed to observe the act of, of breaking bread and, and having juice or wine and taking communion as a religious moment to show that off, which is something almost completely foreign in, in the friend's culture. And I'm okay with that because I don't think so either. Communion is not an act of worship. It's meant to be a lifestyle of worship. Because when you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and to make you a new creature, you're supposed to be at that point, the term Christian means little Christ. You're supposed to be reflecting Him in every part of your life. And how can you reflect Christ if you're unwilling to be broken? 
if you're unwilling to be broken and poured out. Just think about that for a, a couple moments. Broken and poured out. Matthew tells us that Jesus told his disciples in chapter 16, verse 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. This seems almost completely contradictory to Jabez's prayer of make me safe, make me comfortable, bless me and keep me from harm. Jesus is telling his disciples, take up your cross, deny yourself. Which, when I look at that prayer of Jabez, how many times does he say me in it? And again, I'm not saying that's a bad prayer for you to pray. It's a very safe prayer. But if you want to grow and be impactful for the kingdom of God, you have to deny yourself and take up His cross and follow Him. And he goes on in the next verse to say, For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I tried over and over again to, to find out, have I really come to that point in my life where, where I've lost my life so that I could gain the life He has for me? And I'm being real this morning. As your pastor, I don't know if I've hit that mark yet. I've laid down some things, some dreams, some goals, some aspirations. But truth be told, I could walk into an office and pick those right back up if I wanted to. I don't know that I've really laid that down yet. And I looked and I thought, God, we need this to, to hit us just a little more between the eyes. And, and thinking about it, what if when Jesus said, do this, he wasn't talking about that ritual or ceremony, but what if he was inviting us into a life of humility and sacrifice and generosity and joy? It's really hard to coincide those previous words, humility, sacrifice, generosity with joy. But the Word of God's very clear that God loves a cheerful giver. Well, well pastor, you, you don't know. Yeah, I do. I, I know what it is to give till it hurts. I know what it is to sacrifice. I know what it is to be humbled. Our university's football teams know what it is to be humbled. We've both thrown a goose egg this year. I know what it is to have to go back and tell somebody I'm sorry I was wrong. But I also know what joy there is in the Lord and being obedient to Him. What if instead of praying, God, watch over me, protect me, and bless me, we invite God to do something deeper in our lives? 
it's easy to look at God as that great and all-powerful genie that can make our life comfortable and, and make it easy and make it fun. Bless me. Watch over me. Protect me. Those are easy words to come out of our mouth. But the words we spoke last week, search me, know me, reveal to me. And then we pile on this week with break me. Ouch. When we allow ourselves to be broken and poured out, I want you to see perspective changing again. Burdens become blessings. And... And I have friends that I hope someday it works out where maybe they can come visit and I could introduce you to these people I always talk about. But I have friends that, that live in North Carolina that have fostered more kids than they can count. And, and they've poured into every kid that comes into their home the love of Jesus. And, and they, they're embarrassed when you talk about them and bring them up as such good godly people because... They feel like they're the ones getting the blessing for being able to have all these kids in their home and to love on them. Where a lot of people would look at that many kids in your home as a burden. Problems make us stronger. I can tell you nothing has made our marriage stronger than the tough times. The easy times don't make for a strong marriage. It's the tough times. It's the times where we're broken that made marriage stronger. So why would our relationship with Jesus be any different? The tough times, the problems, the struggles make us stronger. The trials strengthen our faith. Man, Lord, I don't know why I'm walking through this. Well, I'll tell you why you're walking through this. He's making you stronger. He's building your faith. He's not building your faith to leave you comfortably plateaued. That, that's a weightlifting term. If you don't know about it, that's when you get to a certain point and you can't lift anymore because you're not strong enough to get there or you're not exercising the right muscles to push past it. The other plateau we should not speak of in November is in weight loss. You'll hit a number where you can't seem to lose anymore. And you really have to alter diet or exercise in order to push past that plateau. And Thanksgiving will not allow that. Christmas will not allow that. Christmas cookies are coming, people. The Oreo hath no fury like the Christmas cookie. Christmas cookies have a song about them. I'm not going to sing it today. But the trials strengthen our faith and hurting makes us compassionate to the hurt, the plight, the struggle of others. The greatest thing I'm seeing the more that I read about Jesus' life is just how He's overwhelmed with compassion for people. Everyone on earth was a sinner when Jesus was here. He's the only one that's righteous. And He's overwhelmed and He doesn't identify them by their sin. Ever. You cannot find it in the gospel where he identifies them by their sin. Now he will call out their sin and make comparison, but that's with the religious people. 
You don't see him walk up to a tax collector and say, you dirty, cheating snake. He doesn't say it to them. He says it to the religious people who think they've got God all figured out and they pray their safe, comfortable prayers and they check off their list of, I did this, this, and this, that's why I'm holy. They had no relationship with God. They were pretty coffins full of dead men's bones. You need an insult when you're trash talking somebody. There you go. I can't get past this broken and poured out. And God led me to look at something in a in kind of a deep dive into it. Uh, the next few minutes won't be super comfortable because we're going to talk about a, a character that Jesus himself said that this person would be spoken of over and over through history because of her act of sacrifice and worship. Mark records the account saying, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at a table and a woman came in with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. She broke the flask and she poured it over his head. Luke's account of this moment tells us that this woman was known to be a sinner. And the only connection to women that were called sinner in those days is a woman who willingly sins with her body for profit. I'll let you loosely connect the dots there. This woman was a prostitute. How did she get into that life? I'm one of those people that when I read stories, I want the backstory on people, and I blame documentaries for this. I watch far too many documentaries where they tell you the life story, but isn't that what historians do? We read the stories. We don't have her full backstory. So we don't know when Jesus came into her life and impacted her, but we can take a pretty good guess that her backstory would simply be defined by these kind of terms that she was desperate. Maybe she was a single mother with kids and afraid they were going to starve to death. Maybe she was sold into this lifestyle through slavery. Maybe she'd grown up living a life of abuse and believed herself to be nothing more than worth selling herself to make a living. She lived a lifestyle that was full of shame because this was not, you were not celebrated on the streets. Other women scorned you and men treated you as a transaction. She felt worthless. And maybe she was struggling to get by and this was the only choice she had. And then she met Jesus and everything changed. Because Jesus, we know by reading the accounts of who He was, when He met you, He didn't speak to you and identify you by your sin. He spoke to you with compassion. He treated you with dignity and worth. He counted you as priceless to the point where we know He would go and die on the cross for you. And that moment, we, we don't know where it happened for this woman. It may have been just casually passing Him on the street. But something in her life changed. And it changed to the point where she didn't just bring an expensive gift. If you go back to the account in Mark, the, the people sitting with Jesus get horribly indignant at this because she's, 
She just poured out a year's worth of wages on your head. And I looked at that and after looking at who this woman potentially was, I thought, how expensive was that gift? She endured things for a year's worth of pay that we won't speak of in a church. She endured that. And that ointment, that perfume, was actually her calling card. The only women that wore perfume in the old part of Israel during Roman occupation were prostitutes. That was their calling card. They didn't dress a certain way. They wore perfume. So that was part of her identity. And it was also part of her future. And she took all of that and she broke it. And she poured it out as an offering to Jesus. I can think of the biggest value offerings I've ever given Jesus, and they don't compare to a year's worth of wages. Definitely not a year's worth of wages that, that cost as much as hers did. And she came and she showed everyone in that room that everything that had value of her old life was being broken and poured out as a single act of worship for the one who had changed her identity. She broke it as a transfer of identity and lordship to Jesus. Wow. Instead of praying, God, just bless me, keep me safe, keep me comfortable. What if we pray this? Lord, bless me and break me and pour me out for your glory. That's a prayer of transfer of identity. Lord, I don't want to be anything except what you're blessing. And anything that doesn't fit that, Lord, needs to be broken off anyway. Break me and pour me out. Pour me out to where I'm just almost feel like I'm exhausted and I have to come back to you over and over and over. But above all, do it for your glory. What's your alabaster box, church? What's your identity wrapped up in? that maybe God's asking you to break that. And when you pray that prayer, I want you to understand it's a dangerous prayer because breaking is not fun. It's not comfortable. It often hurts. Jeremiah talked about it at the potter's house that there was just a slight marring on the clay vessel and it got pounded down to start over. There's patterns of this all through Scripture. But we have to be brave enough to ask for it and, and lean into God enough to endure it.
So this week, you can still ask God to search you. But be brave enough to ask Him to break you as well. 